Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. Well, we're here today to essentially give away what is one of our greatest secrets and where we go and find a lot of our interesting information that we put on our podcast. Uh, We're here today with Bruce McClure from Sabre, the Society for American Baseball Research. And we just wanted to talk with Bruce here today about a, a website that actually that you belong to and that we actually do use a fair bit when we're uh, doing some of the research for these episodes. <laughs> yeah, they even let me in to this, to this thing. So, uh, you know, you have to question a little bit about that, but uh, yeah, I was able to get in there. Um, and, and I, I find it interesting uh, for, for kind of the conversations that take place. Sometimes some of the people I've been able to find um, in there that I wouldn't have been able to find in other places after doing some of the podcasts. And I think that's probably why I went there first, because I could find them in, in, in Sabre because they're members. Um, but Bruce will tell us, you know, some of the other benefits of membership. And and like I said, if you, it's, it's the time of year where you're looking for baseball talk and information because they're not playing very much of it, you know, right now. So reading about baseball is pretty darn good as you we hot stove our way. And this being the first episode of our off season, uh, we kind of think it's, you know, kind of cool to talk about, you know, here are ways you can occupy your time in the off season. So uh, welcome, Bruce. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciated the uh, invitation to come on and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Terrific. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, starting off, if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do here with Sabre, and just maybe a little bit about Sabre, because I think the Society for American Baseball Research and Sabre metrics, are, I think, are, are something that people and our listeners have definitely heard of. I mean, I think Moneyball was something that definitely helped kind of bring the idea of Sabre metrics into more of the public baseball consciousness, but I'm not sure really how much people know of what you guys actually do and produce, you know, each year. There's a big misconception that Sabre is a numbers organization and it really isn't anymore. Now, granted, we were started in 1971 in Cooperstown by L. Robert Davis He had 12 people that got together at the Hall of Fame and started our organization back then. We've grown to about 7,200 members worldwide. Now, who belongs to Sabre? Many minor and major league baseball officials belong to Sabre, writers, broadcasters, several former players. One former player has a chapter named after him that he is active in. We're a broad organization of baseball fans, baseball writers, historians, statisticians, researchers. The list can go on for days as to to the the group that we have. It's, It's a wonderful, open, affirming group that just loves baseball. I think when you said, you know, it's it's not what it's not what we might have thought it was. I think that happened to me, right? I thought it was sort of okay, a bunch of baseball nerds who want to only talk about statistics, you know, and 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 basically numbers. And there is that there. But let's 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 not you know let's say that it isn't a part of it. But as a research platform, and and I kind of learned about that when I proposed uh, something uh, in terms of uh, something that I had written and and it was put to me that it really everything has to have an underlying research aspect to it it's not extemporaneous baseball writing necessarily they want there want to be some elements at least this was what I was told that that sort of you know highlight the idea that there's some research that's gone into it um, not necessarily from the platform itself but that it's research oriented 
And I think that's that's a key thing for what differentiates it that out there from the rest of sort of the other places you can read about baseball, because in all of those other places, a lot of the times you're just sort of reading people pontificating about their opinions about baseball. And I mean, as somebody that consumes a lot of that, it is endlessly fun to listen to videos on people's opinions about how teams are going to do. But at the end of the day, it is kind of just that. It's just opinions. One of the things I think that people appreciate about Saber is because there's that element in that backbone of research that has to go into it, there's this underlying element of data and objectiveness that kind of comes with this article. Maybe not an objectiveness in terms of what the person is writing about, but that they're not just going solely off of their perspective for this. Well, that's a very good point. And there's, there is a broad, um, a broad range of research that's currently going on in the organization today. However, there's also a large influx since the, the pandemic and the use of Zoom and, and the ability to drop in on chapters all throughout the country there's a, a large number of baseball fans who have joined us simply for content, just like you guys were talking about, you know, off-season content and things like that. A lot of baseball fans are with us because they want to just learn more about the game. Now, my local chapter up here in Vermont, when we get together on Zoom, because we cover a lot of geography up here, there's not a lot of talk about numbers, research, things like that. I hope Scott Bush isn't listening because we are doing research, Scott. Don't worry about that. But <laughs> Scott's our CEO. But um, we talk a lot about the game and the history of the game. We had a meeting recently where we had a former ball player in to have a really beautiful conversation with us about his career and where it led him today. Daryl Cheney from the old Cincinnati Reds came in. And he was just terrific. It, I, I can't help but stress enough. It's not just numbers oriented. We, we th there's a there's a committee that talks about baseball simulations like Stratomatic. We advocate for women in baseball. Uh, there's a committee that that is working on biographies of every person who's ever been involved in baseball, which will be an ongoing um, project till the end of time. There's even a committee that talks about the concessions in baseball. Mm. Want to talk about food? We got it. <laughs> and I think I think it's interesting because it, it's so funny that like when you look at Saber and you have all of these different committees and you have people talking about the old Stratomatic games, you have people talking about the question. This is exactly what you see when you look at basically every other place online. But you're you're seeing it in a way where everybody's approaching it from the what kind of information can we find out about it? It's not talking about, oh, what's your favorite ballpark snack? It's like, well, let's look at the history of what's been sold and charting the prices and how you can see. I am sure you could probably put together a really interesting report about the cost of ballpark francs in relation to some aspect of the U.S. economy. <laughs> That's probably above my pay grade. <laughs> i'm not an economist so i certainly can't do that but there's somebody out there that i'm sure could figure that out there's a worldwide index there's, there's a worldwide index that bases it on the cost of a big mac around the world so the, the relative cost of a big mac in russia or, or japan or well not in russia anymore but you know in, in japan or china or wherever it was 
and and so that you would actually that was a coefficient that they used in in economics because it was pretty much a, a, the same thing wherever you went. So it allowed you to say, here's what the relative cost of purchase is. So Gordon's saying, do that with Frank. I think that's a great idea, by the way. I think it's a fabulous idea. I think somebody needs, if there's anybody from the, from that committee listening, get a hold of me so that we can get started on that today because that sounds like a great idea. The problem is with that is we may scare off some people that are talking about, well, it, it costs too much to go to a game. And, and then we start talking about inflation. I, I, I think we've even possible. talked about it. It is, you know, it is pricey going to games, but I, I actually will give up one of my secrets. So one of the things that kind of ends up happening is, uh, you know, I, I would generally say that my dad here, he has general overall better baseball history knowledge, but I'm pretty good about knowing a lot of different random pieces of information and certain things about a, a large variety of teams and games and players. And especially among people that, you know, when I'm not talking with my dad and the general people. <laughs> and one of the easier ways I've done this is actually through the game project that's on the research collection on Sabre's website. Like in, in terms of a really, really interesting place, like especially if you want to learn about ballparks, particular players or games, this is like one of the most invaluable things that I have found because it gives you like a full article on every stadium, every no hitter, tons and tons of different famous, important like Negro league games. And they also give you the sources where they pulled all the information from so that when you're like me and you're confident, quoting this information later you actually know this was looked into and you're not just repeating something you heard online you can get lost in the games and the bio project for weeks at a time there's a rabbit hole that you can go down and have more fun reading about players games ball everything you talked about and you're never going to get to the end of it the games project anybody in saber can write in in that they can pick a game that means something to them, whether it was their first ball game, a, a historic game, something like that, and write that bio of that game. The same for a ball player that they really love that might be obscure, had a couple of at-bats, maybe they got an autograph from the guy in 73 on a Tuesday evening game that that you know they, they ran out to or whatever it might be. And they can write that bio and become a writer, get some professional development and make sure that that ball player is remembered. Just like that game that we were talking about a second ago, make sure that game is remembered as well. I personally am not a writer of, of content for Sabres website, bio project, games project, whatever it might be. I'm a consumer of the game. Even our executive vice president, Scott Carter, likes to say in, our, in, in a lot of our meetings, I'm a consumer of all of this stuff. That's why I'm here, because I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, there's like, like we said, there's so much to consume there. Uh, there are lots of little rabbit holes you can go down and, and, and really begin to even sort of specialize in one sort of tranche of knowledge, because there is so much available to you if you want to go looking for it. So say, if you talk about, um, uh, I want to talk about other things like baseball reference and fangrass as it relates to 
saber because maybe everybody doesn't understand you know the difference that uh, we we were lucky enough to have sean foreman on um last year um he he, he and if we can get jay jaffe to come on with us sometime talk about for, you know we believe both of those platforms you know have have value and they're in, in different ways but they they are not counter to i believe maybe you can tell us what saber is they're sort of they all can work together and they're not mutually you know exclusive well that's exactly what they do is they work together because Jay and Sean are both Sabre members. Um, <clears throat> I believe Sean won awards at our recent convention in Baltimore, if I remember correctly. I was way too busy running around to see any of them. But uh, those two websites really work well together with Sabre to provide Sabre members with a quick and easy angle and place to go to start grasping numbers, pulling them together, and begin that analysis that a lot of them like to do. A lot of the advanced metrics that we've invented or discussed or seen over the years have been included in both websites and taken to, to even uh, uh, farther places, so to speak, over time. They're intricate parts of the whole puzzle, the whole machine that is Saber, and they're independent of us and work on the out on the outside, so to speak, with media. Constantly, media is going to to both of those websites to grab the things that you hear on the radio or see on the television that uh, commenters are discussing, and then they go to us when they need that extra content. For example, if somebody's hit three home runs and they're coming up to bat that fourth time in a game, more often than not, our website goes nuts where people are looking into the list of four home run games. They want to know when the last time it was done. And I can't remember, but that's okay. Um, so those two websites work very, very well in conjunction with us. It, they, we each provide each other with a ton of information. Yeah, yeah, and there, and there there are others as well. Those two just come to mind only because they're sort of rating systems, you know, you know, for them as opposed to Baseball Almanac, which is you know a never ending you know story, so to speak, of everything mm -hmm. there. Um, so how um, how did you become a Met fan? Uh, because we're really happy to hear that, and uh, we we, we kind of want to know about that a little bit. You're up in New Hampshire, if I'm not mistaken. So and 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 before you tell us how you became a Met fan. You, you put in there that you attended game six of the 1975 World Series. And Bruce, you're, 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 you're younger than me. I went to game three of the 69 World Series. Um, oh. but, and I was a kid and you were a kid. So you got to go to the game. What do you remember from that day? Because that is, uh, Gordon and I just recently said, that I think that is the seminal World Series of the 70s and possibly the seminal game of the World Series in the, in the 70s. Well, I'll, I'll back it up a little bit. Game six of the 75 World Series was actually not my first game. It was uh -huh. the second game I went to. So the first game I went to was in September. It was the last time that Milwaukee came or went to Fenway, September 15th, 1975. Bill Lee started the game for the Red Sox. The Space Man. Here we go with, with Sabre research. I knew that I had seen this happen, but I didn't know when. So I went back into it to figure it all out, to remember it, because I was knee-high to a grasshopper. So it was the 15th of September, 1975. Bill Lee started the game. 
Bill Lee threw one down the middle to Henry Aaron for number 745. So I remembered seeing Aaron hit a, hit a home run, but I couldn't quite remember when because I was very small. Saber helped me figure this stuff out. Anyway, um, I became a baseball fan through my dad in 74. He made sure that I sat down April of 74 to watch Henry Aaron hit that home run on television that changed everything. Off of Al Downing. <laughs> Off of Al Downing. He, I watched him rounding the bases, and I wasn't really sure. I was very young. I wasn't really sure as to what was really happening, but I knew it was really cool. Right. And I was growing, I, we grew up in Western Massachusetts. We had three television stations one of which broadcast the Red Sox, and believe it or not, one of which televised the Mets. In 1974, so, so the Mets went to the World Series in 73, and we, we talked about it, and they lost a, a seven-game series to the A's, and, and it wasn't good for the Mets for a while after that. So as you enter the picture, you, had, you, had, you became a long-suffering Mets fan without meaning to. <laughs> Well, I became more of a Red Sox fan through my dad when I was younger. I had a real soft spot for the Mets. Watched both teams as I was growing up. Didn't know what to do in 86. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat back and I kind of hoped I was hoping for the Red Sox because I wanted dad to see his, his team win b- before he, you know, he left us. He left us a few years later. But that, 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 that seven-game series, at least in my mind, was the one that I remember the most that was the most thrilling. The, the I could still hear Vin Scully in the back of my head. Here comes Knight in the Mets win. Yeah. And stay, gravitated away from the Mets, or excuse me, away from the Red Sox over the years toward the Mets, uh, and have – Become very interested in the Orioles lately through a very good friend of mine. I got a chance to go to Oriole Park at Camden Yards this year because, of course, Sabre 50 was in Baltimore. That ballpark was incredible. The staff was beautiful. I can't say enough good things about it or the chapter or, or the city in general. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping that our Mets can do something with the rotation because I think DeGrom is going to go to Arlington and uh, sacrifice his arm for the Rangers. They've never been able to develop a pitcher or keep one healthy, right? Except for Nolan Ryan. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, they also I, took him from the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> no, they actually didn't. No, they didn't take him from the Mets. No, he no, had he long left the Mets by then. He he had he had gotten there as a free agent because the Astros let him go. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, and, it's just weird to think about the kind of weird timeline with but with, right? with Ryan going in with Ryan eventually ending up there and Degrom potentially heading right there. <laughs> My uh, running gag over the summer during the um, lead up to the old timers game that finally came back to the Mets this year was Ryan was invited and I can't remember. Did he? attend i forget if he attended or not i don't think he was there did he not attend well the running gag was oh dear god ryan's been invited and robin ventura's been invited 
Has somebody checked on that guy? I, I just watched the um, Facing Nolan do, um, documentary on Netflix. So if you if you want to take a look, if you haven't seen it, um, it's a bit of a love letter to himself. Um, I would say produced by his sons and himself and uh, as EP. So, but it's really well done, and and they get a lot of the old guys to come and talk about George Brett is prominently in there just talking about it was no picnic facing him. He's, you know, he's, you don't want to get hit in the head and you're, you're, you're thinking, you know, I've never seen anything like that. And, and it was just a really nice way to sort of, you know, go for a guy's 22 year career. Um, and, and as you said, you know, uh, he, he, he left, he left the Mets because the Mets, he, he couldn't throw a strike for the Mets enough <laughs> for them to keep him. So that was uh, not, not any fun for us Mets fans when that happened, because we, we knew he had a good arm. So, ah. you know, I stood in as a joke one afternoon when I was working in minor league baseball against a couple of the fellas that pitched for the older Britain Rockcats. And I was uh, standing there observing double A mediocre cheese. And I couldn't see it. Yeah. I felt it. I couldn't see it. I can only imagine standing in that batter's box with Nolan Ryan throwing baseballs 106 miles an hour. How do, how do you do that? Hey, it's basically the nuclear Lelouch scene from Bull Durham. <laughs> like, I, I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> there, was, there was an old joke about Clemens getting on the mound uh, at the height of his career and the batter's at the plate and, you know, he's standing there and he goes, what was that? And the catcher says, I think it was a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> That that's the kind of you know, the kind of stuff that you know you you get into when you when you get into those guys and uh, you know oh I wanted to mention to you Bruce I saw that you met um, so we've had Adam Coringold on our podcast a couple of times and I saw pictures of you and and Adam there now he's not the Orioles fan that that got you into the Orioles because I know he's a big he's a Washington Nationals fan right right. Adam's a very good friend. I think so highly of him. His data visualization work that he's doing is more than extraordinary. It's incredible stuff. He's presented to my chapter up here. I want to make sure that when, when the New Hampshire chapter gets off the ground, that he's one of my first presenters as well, because his brilliance and, and the way that he presents the information boils it down to any Sabre member or any baseball fan that really wants to look at it. Adam's a great guy. He's a real asset to our organization and he's a brilliant person. He really, he's not the guy that got me toward, you know, Maryland, yeah, yeah. Washington uh, baseball. That's a friend of mine that I used to work with in, in, in Connecticut years ago, but at Adam's terrific. He's he I'm, I'm, I was happy to see that he was on the podcast as often as he's been on because he's got a lot to offer. Well, we'll, we'll have me. I mean, this is an unlimited amount of topics, right? When we, we came up with cool Papa Bell versus Ricky Henderson and you start thinking you can go inter ear and do all kinds of interesting comparisons uh, as he's done for us. And he's, he's got such a love for the game and that comes through that passion uh, when you talk to him about it, which is what, what we like, right? We uh, like, we like, you know, the energy of, of having somebody who you can tell they're excited. And and I think that's kind of why we wanted to do this episode and bring you on and talk about Saber, because I think it's so easy for people to get lost in the perception of that it's data and numbers 
first and not a love for baseball first. And that that's what brings everybody there and what makes it interesting and fun to read. Even if you're not somebody that's hugely into doing the math yourself, there's st- you can still learn so much about the game and look at it from a new perspective. That, that That's where I really see that in a way where you're going to be able to go, oh, I never, I didn't think, you know, well, we'd always have these conversations to go, oh, you can't compare players against cross errors. Well, you know what turns out when you do the numbers, right? You can there you go. There you go. You know, it's funny because I get a lot of people who look when I get talking about baseball and whatnot, and they, they start saying, thinking, wait a minute, you're you belong to Saper? <laughs> you don't seem like the type of guy. You know, and my response is, I hang on a second. What's the type of person that that should be in Saber? A baseball fan, pure and simple. Exactly. Right, right. For any any variety of, of, of variety of reasons, when we did our um, episode on Willie Blair with Willie Blair on pitchers getting hit in the head, I was able to find through Saber a producer who did a whole story back on on it uh, fourteen years ago for ESPN, and he's a Saber member. I'm not going to mention the, the guy's name because you know I don't want to necessarily out him if he's if he's looking not to be. But he was very engaging and talked to to me you know online about you know what he did and then maybe we'll even do a project together you know on that side because he has a real interest in in the same thing that gordon and i do which is we think a pitcher is going to get killed one day on the mound by a line drive and then they'll start doing something you know about it um these guys are in danger on the mound now and we think that you should put little leaguers in, in protective headgear of some kind train them for 15 years to wear it so they're used to it and then you know it's going to take a long time to even get there but doing nothing is not the anyway. The cool thing about the Sabers, I was able to find this person through the that outlet, and that might not have been possible any other way. Yeah, that's a very good point that you make about the safety of the game. Every major pro sport has gotten so much faster with with healthier athletes, bigger athletes, stronger people playing playing the games, whether that be men's or women's sports. It's time to stop moving glacially when it comes to safety and looking at things that need to be done in an effort to prevent a tragedy. I remember seeing Bryce Flory take that ball off the head years ago and the sound that it made and the visuals you saw on television afterwards still haunt me to this day right right yeah we we feel strongly about this and and we would love to get a conversation started on this particular thing because i think it has to go with major league baseball helping support maybe little league baseball to for that particular aspect of if they have to deliver the darn headgear the little league teams that shows how much they care about the future of the game. And I just think ignoring it, it's going to happen one day. And then we're all going to be up in arms about, oh, how could we not have seen this? How could we not have done anything about this? You know, uh, think about this for a second in Major League Baseball. The last guy to come to the plate without a batting helmet was who? Well, that's a great question. Um, that is a, I, that's a really good question. You don't know this. Come on. <laughs> helmets mandated, right? Where everybody, ha- I, I think is when I started watching it, it, it was still there. Could you not wear a helmet? What is mandated? It's been in our lifetime. So 60s. 
What would you say if I told you it was early 80s? So it wasn't mandated before the early 80s? You could step up to the it plate? It was mandated, but players were grandfathered in. Bob Montgomery of the Red Sox was the last guy to come up to bat without a batting helmet. Bob Montgomery? Bob Montgomery. I remember his name, actually, but not for that, just as a, as a ball player. He would play like 12 games a year because Carlton Fisk would never get hurt. Oh, so he's just this ancient backup catcher who happens to get grandfathered in from when they yeah. mandated it. And so he was just like, oh, I'm not going to use a batting helmet today. Exactly. He, never, he was never comfortable wearing it, of course. I could say the well, last hockey goalie had well, to wear a mask, but I couldn't tell you that. that so. Right. You know, once again, I go back to, to baseball moves glacially. Yeah, yeah. Only this year got our first woman managing an organized baseball, granted in the low minors. But still, she's there and she's doing well. We've had, what, a couple of women who have umpired in spring training, minor league baseball. There's, I think, two in the Eastern League in our area. But several women have almost reached that pinnacle of being called up to the majors during the season. and. For reasons that I can only think are because of their gender, they were never called up. Pam Postema. Yep. I have a very good friend who, who, who is a terrific umpire, who is a terrific advocate for women's sports and remembering the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Everybody in baseball knows Perry Barber and what right. she's done. And, and you can argue, if you can, if you can have women referee in the NBA... For goodness sake, they can umpire a Major League Baseball game. And There are women who are repping NBA games. There are women who are repping NHL games. What's wrong with Major League Baseball? I think there's women repping NFL games. Uh, (laughs) That's a way, way more physically demanding activity than baseball umpiring. And, and, and add to the fact, if, if look, you know. They soccer ref. (laughs) We're going to have automatic balls and strikes at some point. It's, It's coming. Right. Of some yeah. kind. There's going to be that. So now you're, you're basically it's on merit because we saw some crazy stats on folks that were missing balls and strikes. Right. You know, and then we saw some crazy stats on guys that called almost a perfect game. Right. The one guy that I forget his name. He called like you know, 100 percent of the pitches accurate. Uh, I'd actually be very curious to see, you know, it's probably almost impossible to go back and get this data now, but I'm sure somebody's already working on doing a historical, you know, look at umpire accuracy and comparing them and seeing like, is it that today's umpires are worse? Because there's a real possibility that today's umpires are just the their best they've ever been. And just right. we just are now able to track it so much better that they look bad in comparison. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It's only been in the last few years that you've really seen umpires track the way they are. There's actually a social media account and website called Umpire Scorecard where you can go. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen this before and you can, you can see the data on every guy behind the plate. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of times where some umpires that we vilify, they do actually very well behind the plate. That was not Angel Hernandez, in my opinion. <laughs> go look at his umpire scorecards. He some he there are nights 
where he is 96, 97% accurate behind the plate, which either indicates that the metric is bad or he's not as bad as we think he is, or maybe a little of both. Right. But now it's it gives pause to the tracking of an umpire and maybe it's time we figured out a statistical way to track these guys for a year and hopefully someday gals right years or through a season we do it how good lord baseball reference every year the the statistical metrics are getting longer and longer yeah. Why can't we do it for umpires as well? There's got to be someone, hopefully in my organization, that has that ability. Yeah, yeah. And and, and right, this I, I, my point was making that the women should then will be evaluated the same way that men are. Are you accurate? Yeah. Are you getting it right? You know, are, are you doing it? And, and Exactly. And no reason for me to think that they wouldn't be as good, if not better, as, as, as men doing it. There's no, there's no, you know, rhyme, no reason to that. It's not a physical demanding thing that would, you know, stop them from being able to do it in some way, shape or form. Not at all. Not in any way. So Bruce, tell us, um, so uh, membership wise, uh, cause you know, I guess we should reveal like, you know, about a Sabre membership and, you know, it's it, in my opinion, it's not very expensive, but why don't you tell us? Well, a individual membership is $65 annually. If you buy it for three years, it's 175 Right now, through December 12th, we're running a 25% off sale, which is kind of nice. But when you enroll in Sabre, you don't get just, hey, you're one of us now, good for you. You get the ability to download ebooks that are just incredible. Think of a topic, we've got it. Baltimore Baseball, uh, there's a book about the old Met. Metropolitan Stadium in Minneapolis. That's one of my favorites. We just debuted a book about uh, Roberto Clemente. I had that. And, I read it yet. Yeah. Oh, good. Isn't that a great book? Yeah, I want to get to it. Uh, Shy, a book about Shy Park just came out. These are all books that you can download and add to your Kindle. It's free of charge with your membership. They're just it, 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 you get, get them throughout the year. You can get between eight and 12 books per year for the cost of your membership. Right. It's, you it's, are, it's, go ahead. I'm five, sorry. It's five, I say it's five bucks a month and you get books. And if you like to read the membership can kind of pay for itself. If you, if you love baseball and, and you, you want to have that ability there to me, it's like really an easy and, and an easy sell. Easy. So, you know, and then we all, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you can get $5 a month to death, right? Because if you have a $3 subscription, yeah, or, or whatnot. So, yeah, you know, pick and choose. This one's, you know, worth it. And I think you get more in a lot of ways because you get that content. Forget about the fact that if you actually want to do a research project. That, this is your first stop. You're exactly correct. I mean, you have access to an incredible volume of research that rivals any volume anywhere, including the Hall of Fame and Major League Baseball's own research and, and statistical uh, information in New York City. You get two issues of our baseball research journal every year, which includes a lot of articles on histories, biographies, statistics, and such. You get an expanded ebook edition of the National Pastime, that focuses on the city 
in which we have our national convention every year. In 2023, it'll be in Chicago once again. Can't wait for that. There's a newsletter that comes out every Friday that details new research or new entries into the games project, the bios project, and all of this stuff. The camaraderie and the fellowship that you get of over 7,000 baseball fans worldwide, chapter meetings, national convention, speakers, presentations, the list just, I could go on, I could keep this podcast going for an hour and a half, two hours with, with all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 we, we get it. And uh, we, we, we certainly, uh, you know, we're fans and um, I think we would, you know, like to, you know, as things change there, because it seems like the mix is being added to. And I like the fact that you said that, you know, it's evolving, right? I mean, and Sabre has had to evolve to be more than, and then just a, a statistical, you know, repository and an ability to do research through that. It's, it's, it's a, it's sort of like a bulletin board, Gordon community, you know, yeah. in, in a way, because so it's, it's not a social network per se. And I don't think no. try to be <laughs> frankly, no, no, it, it, it's a place for you to go and con- to, to be able to discuss and talk about, baseball research baseball research and in specific baseball topics depending on your interest that that's kind of where i i view it view it as i think i think you're right on it's more of like a forum community in a sense closer well, yeah, to that with the real life well, aspects one of the things that scott bush was talking about at the convention in baltimore this past august for those who don't know scott bush is the chief executive officer of saber he discussed how we want to become the premier baseball community worldwide. And as I was sitting listening to his speech, that word community really struck me. And it helped me to form what I've been doing online in bringing the uh, Sabre and the baseball community together through, you know, my silly antics on Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever it might be. I provide content for our games and simulations committee and, and, a, and a blog of my own out there as well now to show people that baseball isn't just what happens between the foul lines and that it's a family, whether that be a family of researchers, a family of fans, statisticians, sabermetricians, whatever it might be, it's a family and a community that should and does come together over the church of baseball. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That, that we couldn't, could, you said it really well. And uh, I hope that um, you will join us again sometime to talk us to uh, more about Sabre and, and, and what they're doing going forward, because um, we think more people should know about it. And it'd be nice to see that 7,000 number get up to 10,000. Shouldn't be that hard. Um, you know, if you can get enough people to sort of understand what, what's going on there. Cause I, I think people just don't hear it enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate uh, being here. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoops.